Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. We are in a series called Encountering Jesus. And I know you've heard this before, but I'm going to say it again and and I will predict that we'll probably say it many times in the future. But we as a church, we exist to help people encounter Jesus. You say, well, is that why we're doing Super Sunday? So the people who have never encountered Jesus will encounter Jesus. Is that what you mean? Yes. It's to help people who have never encountered Jesus to encounter Jesus, but it does not stop there. It's also for you to encounter Jesus today. So if you've encountered Jesus a thousand times, I'm praying that today you encounter Jesus your thousandth and first time. We're we're constantly encountering Jesus, and we exist to do that. We're creating environments that will be relevant and engaging and excellent. Why? So that you'll encounter Jesus. And so today is no exception. As a matter of fact, we're getting ready to pray, and we're going to pray that this is not just business as usual. It's not just another service. It's not just another talk. No, we are here to encounter. Is there anybody here across all the campus, anybody here to encounter Jesus? Come on, I'm not here to play church. Yeah. I, I have a tendency to believe you. Luke chapter 10. Go to Luke chapter 10. If you don't have a copy of God's word, it'll be on the screen behind me. But let's pray and let's ask God to speak to us, to change us so that we can encounter him. Lord, you're good. Your word is more than enough. And we pray right now that you would give us ears to hear what the spirit is saying Holy Spirit, I depend on you right now to speak to us. I pray that you would take control. I I would ask God for a prophetic anointing that I would just speak your words. You'd give me what to say. I wouldn't say anything more than that. I wouldn't say anything less than that. And I pray that this word would change our, our day, would change our week, would change our month, it would change our year, put us on a trajectory of encountering you. In your name we pray. And Lord, I also want to thank you for victory, for the Kansas City Chiefs victory yesterday. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I don't know what happened. Did you see that? The Lord just took over. I said, I said, Lord, I want to be prophetic. And he said, well, just let's pray for the Chiefs. So this week, church, be praying for Patrick Mahomes' ankle for complete healing in Jesus' name. All right. How did I get on that? I do not know. Sorry. Luke chapter 10. Let's go to the word. Luke chapter 10, I had to. Verse 38 through 42 says, The Lord and his disciples were traveling along and came to a village. When they got there, a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat down in front of the Lord and was listening to what he said. Martha was worried. She was worried about all that had to be done. Finally, she went to Jesus and she said, Lord, doesn't it bother you that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? I find myself reading it with a little bit of a hint of a Spanish accent for some reason. (laughs) Lord, doesn't it bother you that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to come help me. The Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about so many things, but only one thing is necessary 
Mary has chosen what is best, and it will not be taken from her. Yes. Constantly encountering the presence of Jesus. Uh, as I read that passage, I, I was reminded of one of my favorite scientific studies I've ever heard about. It's not my favorite because it uh, brought about some great cure to a, a disease, but it's just so entertaining to imagine. But a real scientific experiment took place like this. They put five monkeys in a room, and they hung from that room a string of bananas. They put under that string of bananas a ladder. And uh, as the five monkeys got in there, they looked up, they saw the bananas. Monkeys like bananas. So pretty soon one monkey got on the ladder and started to climb it to get a banana. As one monkey started to climb the ladder, they sprayed all the monkeys with cold water. And he got back down. This went on for a couple of days. Every time one of the monkeys would move to the ladder to try to climb up and get the bananas, they would spray all the monkeys with water. This went on for about two or three days. Finally, there was no more need for water because the monkeys didn't go. And if one did go to the ladder, one would start to climb the ladder, the other four monkeys would attack him because they didn't want to get sprayed with the water. Here's where it gets interesting. They would take one of those monkeys now and exit him from the room and bring in a brand new monkey. New to the environment, the monkey would come in, he would see the bananas, he'd be like, hey, I'm a monkey, that's a banana, let's do this. And so he would start to climb the ladder and be shocked when four monkeys would attack him for climbing the ladder. He might try it a couple times, pretty soon he's like, okay, I get it, no bananas. Then another monkey, one of the originals, goes out and a new monkey comes in, he walks in, hey, a banana, perfect, I'm on a Daniel fast, that will fit. He starts to climb the ladder, attacked by not three monkeys, but four monkeys. One of the new monkeys who's never been sprayed with water, he's joining in the attack. They keep replacing original monkeys with new monkeys until by now the fifth new monkey has come in and the four monkeys, none of which are original. When the fifth monkey comes in, he sees bananas. He's like, let's do this. He starts to climb the ladder and the four monkeys who have never been sprayed with the cold water still attack him when he climbs the ladder. And they, watch, and they don't even know why. They're acting. They're reacting. But they don't even know the reason why they're acting and reacting. Church, the reason why I shared that is because that can happen to us if we're not careful. We can come in and we can react to all kinds of things. We can get so busy, so involved, even in church and good things, and sometimes we can forget the reason why we're doing it all. We're doing all of this to encounter Jesus. That's the reason, that's the one thing. We can't forget, go ahead and give God praise. That's, that's the one thing. And we see in this story uh, uh, two sisters that uh, this, this narrative can really teach us some things. And I think the first thing that really jumped out to me about this narrative is the power of invitation. I mean, the way an invitation can lead to intimacy. Think about Martha's invitation to Jesus and what it did. Look at verse 38. The Lord and his disciples were traveling along and came to a village. When they got there, a woman named Martha welcomed Jesus in. Other versions say Martha invited Jesus into her home. This was a big deal for her. This was going to cost her something. This could have been even potentially uh, dangerous in some ways because Jesus was not the most popular in that area at that time. And she, she invites him into her home. Verse 39 says she had a sister named Mary who sat down in front of the Lord and listening to what he said. 
It's powerful. Martha's invitation led to Mary's intimacy. If it had not been for Martha inviting Jesus into their home, Mary would never got the opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus. Mary would have never had the opportunity to sit and take the place of a disciple. That's really what she was doing there. Like that was culture then. That's what, that's what a disciple did is would sit at the feet of their teacher. Matter of fact, you can read in Acts 22, Paul talk, talks about his training growing up. And he said, I sat at the feet of Gamaliel. That's, that's saying I was a disciple. That literally is the position of a disciple. And so Mary, that's another bold step. A woman wouldn't normally be able to do that. Um, but she sits in that position close to Jesus, in proximity to Jesus, and it never would have happened without an invitation. Awesome. Invitation can lead to intimacy. That's why we talk about inviting someone to church. Matter of fact, that's why we fast forward to February 12th. When you invite, the power of that invitation, somebody you invite is going to have an intimate encounter with Jesus Christ, and it's going to change everything, and God's going to use your invitation to do it. Yeah. That's why it's so important that we pray about our one. But it also works like this. Anytime you invite Jesus into your environment, someone's going to get close to him. Yeah. When you invite Jesus into your home, it's going to impact somebody. When you invite Jesus into your conversations, it's going to impact somebody. When you invite Jesus into your work, it's going to impact somebody. That is the power of an invitation. An invitation can lead to intimacy, but not every invitation leads to everyone's intimacy. You know why? I mean, look at Martha. It's a real shame that Martha is the one that gives the invitation to Jesus and yet she misses the intimate moment to be with him. Martha's doing a lot of other things and though she made a great invitation, she lost the reason why she made the great invitation. I guess I would say it like this, for couples, sometimes we can do the same thing. We can have great invitations at the beginning of our relationships. Maybe you're married for 10 years or 15 years or 30 years and you can remember back to those original invitations. I mean, when you were getting ready to ask your wife on that very first date, you were so nervous, so tongue-tied. You're looking at yourself practicing in the mirror. Will you go on a date with me? Like, you're so nervous about it. That first invitation has to go well. And she said yes. And, oh, my goodness, I can't believe it. This is awesome. And then you go on a few more dates, and it comes time to ask her to marry you. And you got to get that just right. And it's, I mean, nowadays, a lot. I feel sorry for the people trying to get engaged now because Social media has made that thing very difficult. Back in the day, you just got on your knee and did it. Now it has to be a whole production. You gotta hire actors and singers and dancers. It's a whole thing. I feel bad for the young people. But it has to be such a big deal. And then the wedding comes, and that has to be such a big deal. And we spend so much money on the event, so much money on that moment when that invitation to be my, my wife is, is, being, uh, is being accepted. And oh my goodness, it's such a big deal. And then fast forward a few years. Fast forward a few years when things start to get a little bit busy. Fast forward when problems start to arise. And, now the kids have something going on, it, and then it's, it's causing us to, to fight sometimes. We find ourselves fighting about money because we don't have enough money to get by, and something broke at the house, and we don't even have enough money to fix it. And then somebody got sick, and then there's drama in our family, and then pretty soon we've lost the reason why that original invitation happened. We don't look at each other the same. Why? What happened? 
Because sometimes invitation can lose the intimacy, the reason why it existed in the first place. So I guess better than a question, better than saying, did you invite Christ in your life? We ask that a lot, right? Have you invited Christ in your life? Maybe a better question is this. How often do you invite Christ in your life? You know what I'm saying? Like you may go, I I invited Jesus into my life 15 years ago. Okay, I'm interested. Have you invited Jesus in your life 15 days ago, though? What about 15 minutes ago? When we were in this room inviting Jesus to fill our life and fill this room, were you involved in that invitation? Because it's an ongoing process, that invitation, it has to be ongoing for it to lead to ongoing intimacy. I I love that. Martha's the power of her invitation. And then in verse 40 it says this, this, one of the reasons why her invitation got derailed, says this, Martha was worried about all that had to be done. NIV says it this way, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Distractions, distractions can be detrimental. It's one of the other things that kind of jumped out to me at this story is how, how dangerous and how detrimental distractions can be. I mean, Jesus, the next verse, he goes on to say this. The Lord, he's, he's talking to Martha. He says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and you're upset about so many things. Now, I want you to understand the, the meaning of this passage is not that chores are bad. It's not that housework is bad. So I hope none of you husbands during the fast when your wife said, hey, can you take the trash out? You're like, take the trash out? I'm on a fast. I don't know what you're talking about. Worried about all the housework. I'm trying to meet with Jesus. So no, I will not be taking out the trash. I don't know if any teenagers tried it when your parents said, clean your room. and said, I would clean my room, but I got time with Jesus. That's not the point. This, this, this story, this narrative is not here as an abolition against housework. Teenagers try it. If it works, go for it. But I think what Jesus would say, yeah, clean your room and then spend some time with me. That's not the point of this, of this narrative is to come against chores. The the, the, the point of this uh, narrative is that Martha was distracted by many things. The, the Greek word in that, uh, that gets translated distracted literally means this dragging many things along. So you just picture the disciples and Mary at the feet of Jesus soaking him in. And as Jesus is teaching, there's Martha just dragging many things around. Dragging the, the worries, dra- dragging the concerns, dragging the distractions. When, when Jesus said you're worried and you're upset about many things, those two words in their original meaning, worried and upset, would be this. One of them is internal and one of them is external. He's saying, Martha, you're worried about all the external stuff. You got a lot of busyness going on, a lot of things going on around you. You're so focused on them. You're so focused on them, you're missing me. But then he also said, and also internally, anxiety and just worry is all in there. See, Jesus was not getting on to Martha because of her work. He was getting on to Martha because of her worry. A lot of us, we worry about things we can never control. And somehow we wear it as a badge of honor. Sometimes we think Jesus is proud of us for being concerned and upset and worried and distracted by so many things. Look at all the things I'm caring about, Jesus. And Jesus said, well, I'd rather you just put your cares on me and let me take care of that. Why don't you spend some time soaking me in? 
especially as we are coming out of a fast. Like, I, I want to encourage you, church, be, beware of distraction and worry and, and things waiting, trying to make you upset because they're coming. Matter of fact, I'll just prophesy right now, the devil's going to come at you. Maybe tomorrow at work it's going to start where all of these all these pressures and all these things are going to start coming your way and you're going to start to take them on and take them on and take them on and it's going to, it's going to ruin the real reason why you exist because you're taking on so many worries, being upset about so many things. And I know what somebody's thinking right now. They're going, Pastor, you don't understand. You don't understand my home. You don't understand my situation. You don't understand what I'm having to deal with at work. You don't, you don't know my boss. You don't know all the stuff that's happening. You don't know what I'm trying to do right now. Here's what I would say to you with as much love as I know how to say it, but also hopefully with a little bit of anointing on it too. Here's what I would say. There are people that are busier than you with more demands on their life than you have, and yet they have figured out a way to carve out space for Jesus in their life ongoing. They've done it, and so can you. You can do it. It's just a matter of deciding that it has to happen because of how detrimental distractions can be. I like the way author John Ortberg said it. He said, the great danger is not that we would renounce our faith. The great danger is that we would become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we settle for a mediocre version of it. I don't think anybody here is gonna renounce your faith tomorrow. And if you did, man, people would probably be praying for you and come and try to talk to you. And try, but th that, that would be better sometimes than just getting so distracted, so rushed, so preoccupied that then we start to settle for just some mediocre version, some distracted version of our faith. Verse 42 says this, but Jesus is answering Martha, when Martha comes, it kind of brings her complaint. Doesn't it bother you, Jesus, that I'm having to do this by myself? And this is what he said. So you're worried, upset about so many things. In verse 42, he says, but only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen what is best, and it will not be taken from her. You know what Jesus was saying? Both things are good. This was not a matter of a good and bad. Both are good. Serving uh, sitting at Jesus' feet, worshiping Jesus, soaking him in. It's good. But you know what else? Serving Jesus. Serving Jesus is good. It's, it's not a matter of, 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 of good and bad in this, in this situation. Mary and Martha are often contrasted as, as like we're, we're supposed to choose which one we're going to be. We're supposed to be Mary or we're supposed to be Martha. And I know we all have different gifts and, and we all have different personalities. But that's not the point of this, of this story to choose either or. No, that, I don't believe that's what Jesus was saying here. It seems like to me, as I read this narrative... And Jesus is there teaching, and Mary has assumed the position of the disciple. And the disciples are there, and they're, they're, they're just soaking in the teaching of Jesus. And Martha's going, and she's getting mad. And when Jesus says what he says to her, this is why I think Jesus says it. Not that serving him and serving and preparing that meal, not that it shouldn't happen, but that it shouldn't happen right then. I think what Jesus was saying was, just, just come over here. We can eat in a little bit. Jesus is probably thinking, I could snap my finger. We could have all kinds of food up in here. This is what's important right now. See, it was not a matter of right and wrong. It was not a matter of good and bad. It was a matter of position. 
It was a lesson on priority. It was a lesson on rank. It was an emphasis on order. It's priority. Your priority will lead to your purpose. Every time when you get your priorities right, lined up right, it will lead to your purpose. And that's what this was about. Priority leading to purpose. Is, is serving others gate? Yes, but first, soak in Jesus. Is, is free. Because here's what happens. We know that bad things can distract us from Jesus. We know that. We know what sin does, that sin takes our eyes off of Jesus. Sin will, will el eliminate our relationship with Jesus. We know the power of sin. We know the power of even neutral things sometimes can distract us from Jesus. Pastor Matt talked about some of those last week. I'm here to tell you this. You know what else can distract us from Jesus? Good things. Good things can. I'm talking about like, like family, I'm talking about work. I'm thankful that you have a job. You should be thankful for your job. But even a good thing can distract you from Jesus. Ministry can distract you from Jesus. Do you guys realize there are pastors out there, and pastors need to be prayed for, but there are pastors out there who have taken, they just, it's just the pressures of life has just gotten to them, and it's been a while since they've soaked in Jesus, and they're doing good things. Good things can distract you from Jesus, which is why it's so important to get the priority in place. That's what Jesus was saying in this, in this appeal to Martha. Get the distractions away. Just soak me in. Can I, can I just show you what it looks like for us a lot of times? So this reservoir here would represent Jesus. And uh, if I were to pull water out, it would just keep on coming back in. That, that's the reservoir that is Jesus. And, and this will represent us in this. And so when we, when we sit at Jesus' feet and we worship Jesus, uh, what happens then is we come out and we are changed. This, this is so much heavier than it was before it went in. It has so much more to offer than it did a few seconds ago. Why? Because it's soaked. And so as this sponge soaked uh, it represents us with our time with Jesus, just being at his feet, just getting in his word and hearing what, when worshiping. And then when that happens, we, we go home and, and, our, and our spouse, we're having interactions with our spouse and it's going so well and we can kind of do stuff maybe for them when they, when they need something and, and the kids come through and we're able to kind of do some stuff for them and, and uh, I gotta go to work on Monday. So I got, before I go to work, let me, let me just spend some time Monday morning in prayer and just soak Jesus in. By the time you get to work, people just, what, what happened to you? Oh, why, why do you say that? You just seem so, you just seem, there's something different about you. Oh, I think I know what it is, yeah. And so uh, then, then uh, you, you come to church on Wednesday night and you're serving, you're like, oh, I got plenty to give and, and it's awesome and people are impacted by your service and then you gotta go back, but wait a second, before that, work called, you gotta work overtime tomorrow. Okay, that's fine, we can do that and then, uh, then the kids uh, got home from school and they said, oh, by the way, mom, tomorrow is uh, a science fair project and I haven't started yet. <laughs> you're like, okay, that's fine, we can, we can make it happen. <laughs> what happened? I just lost some of you because you're like, I don't care how full of Jesus you are, it does not go like that. I'm telling you, it can. It can. 
So you help them with that, and then you, oh, I got to get to Jesus, but then, oh, wait, um, I got to uh, influence the, there's my friend that asked me the other day about Jesus, and so I started to tell him about Jesus, and then I, I went, and I, I had to play tennis with my, my friends, and so when I got there, uh, man, I, it was so awesome. Uh, he, he noticed that I, he asked me if I was a Christian, you know, just because of the way I was acting, and so I started that, oh, but then my, my husband called, and, and he said, something happened at work, honey, I need your help, and so we do this, and then, uh, and, and then work called and said, hey, that project is so, okay, I can, I can make it happen. And then you start over here, and then your, your son calls you and goes, bad news, Mom, I got an F on that, on, that, uh, on, that, on that science project. I have to do it over again. I mean, nothing can take the soak out of you like a science fair. And when you got done with that, you're like, man, I need Jesus. And then your friend called and said, hey, you still going to help me move tomorrow? Oh, my gosh, I forgot about that. Yeah, I guess so. And so, uh, so, so you, you go and you, you help your friend and do everything you can. And then you, I got to go. And then, the, the, then the, the ministry leader calls and says, hey, I need you to come in and serve on Sunday because the other person canceled. And you come in and you start serving on Sunday. You say, I just wish, I wish, I wish somebody else could serve. There's thousands of people in this church, and they always got to call me. Why am I the only one who knows how to... You start complaining to Jesus. You start complaining to Jesus like, like Martha did. Didn't come out of you before. You served last Wednesday. You were good. But now it's so hard to get anything good out. Why am I the only one? And your kids call. Say, Mom, I need your help. Dad, I need your help. Comes time for you to try to tell somebody about a Jesus that it's been a while since you've soaked him in. You could squeeze out a couple of little. Then your wife calls. So I need you to pray for me. The report's not good. Ain't got nothing to give. What am I supposed to try to get some moisture out of that, I guess, because... I don't have anything to give. You gotta come back to serve again. I ain't, got, just, I ain't got nothing to give, so just try to get, there's a little bit of moisture in there left. And here I am trying to do what I was called to do, and I'm half the person I used to be. Why? Because I forgot to soak before I served. Serving Jesus. Serving, serving people, being there for your friends, being there for your family, being there for your church, for your ministry team, being there at work and being an ambassador of Christ at work. Do you know where you're called to be where you are? Everybody's called. You're supposed to walk into that work full of Jesus. God put you there on purpose. And it's a joy unless, unless you're empty. And then it turns your attitude Martha's work was not the problem. It was the stress. It was the worry. It was the complaining. It was the emptiness. That's why it's so important that priority is in place. First I serve. No, first I, first I soak. Then I serve. 
First I soak, then I serve. You go, well, does soaking always lead to service? Is that always, because I think it seems like some people, all they do is soak. I mean, I think, yes, it does lead to service. Matter of fact, John chapter 12, it's yet another time later on now that Jesus comes now to the home of Mary and Martha. And this time it's right before the Passover, right before his crucifixion. Let me read what happened. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived at Bethany, the home of Lazarus, a man who had been raised from the dead, and a dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor, and Martha served. Find no report in this situation of her complaining, her being bitter. It almost seems like she had learned something to soak him in first. I don't know. Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Watch this. Then Mary, who had been soaking him up, right, took, took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume now the soaking became an act of service, made with the essence of pure knowledge. She anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance. Some of the disciples got mad. One of the disciples got mad. What's going on here? This perfume could have been sold and given to the poor. Why would she do this? This is too extravagant. Look what Jesus said. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. And I promise, when he said this, that room goes, in preparation for what? Hold on, what now? I'll bet Mary was like, I did this for what? I love that we serve a God who can take our insignificant offerings and make them so significant beyond what even we understand. Right? She's a part of the death and the resurrection story of Jesus Christ. Why? <laughs> because she was a good soaker. Because she knew how to do this. And it opened the door for a historic moment of serving. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.